What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to week three of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2019-2020 NFL regular season and postseason, and uh, no sugarcoating it this week, folks. Week two was a bad week across the board. Only went seven and nine picking the games straight up, and for anybody that has paid any attention to this show over the last seven years plus, you understand that that's not the norm. You understand that that is atypical of a week for me. And you also understand it's not going to continue beyond this week. Like, if that's going to be our bad week, we get it out of the way very early. So only 7-9 and nine straight up. Only has me 17-14-1 straight up on the season. And for a second straight week, the betting picks didn't really fare any better. Against the spread, only 5-11 and 11 picking the games in week 2. And on the over-under almost broke even seven and nine on the over under so on the season look i've only got 10 of the 32 games picked correctly against the spread so i've dug myself a hell of a multi-week hole here to try to dig myself out of over under fared a little bit better it's 13 and 19 on the season so you know one good week and i can kind of pull myself back to 500 there but Against the spread, look, it's going to be a multi-multi-week commitment before I'm back to 500 there, but I know I'll get there because I always get there. One of the few bright spots from week two is three of my seven correct straight-up plays from last week came in the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks. I did, however, completely whiff on the bronze pick. I had Carolina beating Tampa Bay. The Bucks wind up winning that game 20-14. to It was a straight-up loss. It was an against-the-spread loss because I had Carolina minus the 6.5, and, and I had the game going over 50 points, so I whiffed entirely on the bronze pick however the silver pick of dallas beating washington the gold pick of baltimore beating arizona and the platinum pick of the patriots beating the dolphins those at least all worked out straight up i did hit dallas minus four and a half against the spread in the silver pick and i did hit baltimore and arizona staying under 46 and a half points in the gold pick other than that the other against the spread picks were all losses. The other over under picks were all losses. And once again, that's atypical to what I'm used to in the picks. And it ain't going to last very long. Taking a look now at both the Bridgewater's Finest and official NFL YouTube prognosticators pick'em pools from week two. In the Bridgewater's Finest pool, I sit now tied for 20th out of 37 people in that pool. Again, it is never too late to join the pool. Information will come later in the show. I've got 188 out of the 272 possible confidence points, so I'm still at around 69%, which typically over the course of a whole season is a championship clip so in terms of the confidence points at least i'm kind of getting the confidence points down pat and i'm right there in the thick of things as long as it stays like this i pulled in 83 of 136 possible confidence points in week two which i think is actually pretty damn good considering i only got seven of the picks correct so that's a clip of 61 percent a little down from week one Shout out to our week two winner, longtime listener, longtime fan, and longtime friend, West Coast Martin. He gets 12 of the 16 games correct straight up, brought in exactly 100 confidence points out of the possible 136. That's a clip of 74%, and it was good enough for my good friend West Coast Martin to win week two. 
Justin V remains our overall leader in the pool, however, 24-7 and 1 straight up. He's brought in 219 of the 272 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 81%. He's been doing excellently thus far. In the official NFL YouTube prognosticators pool, I sit in a tie for 28th place out of the 36 people in that pool. Again, I've been struggling straight up just through the first couple of weeks of the season. Only 17 of those games picked correctly of the 32 games that have been played. So that's only a 53% clip straight up. Again, that will certainly improve. I only brought in 7 of the 16 games correct in week 2, only a clip of 44%. That will also improve. Three teams in that pool tied for the week 2 victory, picking 12 games correct straight up out of the 16 games in week 2. That's a 75% clip, so we had a three-way tie atop the leaderboard. Half Moon's Picks remains our overall leader in the official NFL YouTube prognosticators pool. 24 games picked correctly straight up of the 32 played so far. That's a clip of 75%. Half Moon leads the way. So shout out again to West Coast Martin and the three teams who were tied with 12 straight up wins for winning week two. And to Justin V and Half Moon's Picks for remaining the overall leaders in the pools. Checking in on Hatbox's survival pool, obviously still alive in that one, still sitting with zero strikes through two weeks. We have already lost three people. So three people went two and done, I believe, including last year's champion. So we only have 32 people left in that pool of 35 and eight of those 32 currently sit with a single strike. So they are on the precipice of being eliminated. So far this season, I took Seattle in week one, took Baltimore as my survival pick last week. That certainly worked out. So we're looking to stay alive again this week. Taking a peek now into Fantasy Corner to see how my eight fantasy football teams did in week two action and another bright spot from week two. I went seven and one in fantasy last week across my eight teams. That included victories in both the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League as well as the official NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League. In the Professionals League, picked up the win against Conrad, who is, I think, a perpetual year-in and year-out threat to win a championship. It was a big win for me. I had a huge performance at the quarterback position with Russell Wilson. That evens my record at 1-1. One and one. I got a Week 3 matchup coming up against fellow NFL YouTube prog Keith Bailey. That's a projected win for me right now, but again, nothing is certain. In the Progs pool, picked up the win over Half Moon's picks, so at least I can lord that over him. He's certainly, you know, kicking my tail in in the, in the pick'em pools, but hey, at least I beat him in fantasy. That moves my record to 2-0 in the Progs League, exactly where we want to be. Got a week three matchup coming up against Rob Jones. That's a projected win right now, but that's a close matchup, so I've got plenty of work still to do. Conrad and Half Moon, thank you so much for the matchups in week two. And Keith and Rob... Let's do this. I'll take the time now, as I always do, to point out that if you go to the description of the video on YouTube or the description of the audio file on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, you are going to find all of my results from last week, all of my straight up against the spread and over under picks for week three in the NFL. You're going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest Pick'em Pool, as well as the official NFL YouTube Prognosticators Pick'em Pool for this season. It's never too late to join the pool. Put your picks up straight up 
head-to-head against mine, and if you win a week, get yourself shouted out on the show for a few hundred people. You're going to find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page. It's a great community, bunch of people, guys and girls, that are more than capable of talking shop on the NFL. You might even learn a thing or two. Join us on the Facebook page, and you can also find information on my great sponsors and friends at Nerd Tees. Folks, you know where this is going. Hit up nerdtees.ca, hit that promo code of BWFinest, and you are going to save 15% at checkout. You're also going to get free shipping if you live in Canada on any order over 75 bucks. And why wouldn't you spend more than 75 bucks with all this incredible stuff that you can buy? If you're in the U.S., two clicks of a button, everything is in U.S. dollars for you, and you get an excellent conversion rate on the US dollar. Today's blend is Japanese orange cooler, a nice citrusy blend that I wanted to have today to kind of clear out the sinuses and everything like that. I don't know if it's a high pressure day or I'm just feeling the pressure from struggling the first couple of weeks, but the Japanese orange cooler and the citrus, it's clearing me out all over the place, which is fantastic. Nerdtease.ca, promo code BWFinest, Find yourself something to love, save a little money, and find someone you love something to love. You can do that on nerdtease.ca. All right, folks, here we go. We're going to kick things off in Jacksonville. Jags playing host to the Tennessee Titans. Interesting times in Jacksonville here. Now, not only do you have Gardner Minshew, who certainly didn't look bad in that game last week, but now you've got the rumors of the Jalen Ramsey trade request. And you got to imagine, as much as people will come out and say, we're not going to let that be a distraction, there's no way. There's no way it can't be. He's he's an all-pro, and he doesn't want to play there anymore. So whether you say it's not a distraction or not, you know 100% that's going to be a distraction. Jacksonville dropping a one-point decision in Houston against the Texans last week. Meanwhile, Tennessee dropping a two-point decision at home against Indianapolis. So both of these teams definitely looking for better this week. Tennessee at 1-1. and They're still tied for the division lead. Jacksonville still looking for their first win. Tennessee right now sporting the number two pass defense in the NFL through the first two weeks. And I wonder where you could have potentially heard earlier in the season that the Tennessee Titans might have a really good pass defense. Could that possibly have been from me? Titans are only allowing just over 180 yards passing so far per game on the season, which again has them right up there among the elite secondaries in football. The give back, you can definitely run on them. They're giving up well over a buck 30 on the ground. So far, it's only translated to about 16 points against per game. So the Titans are hanging on. They definitely have to shore up that run defense, which may mean good things for Leonard Fournette. I name-dropped Gardner Minshew there a little earlier, and I did that for a reason. Yes, Jacksonville might be 0-2, but it's certainly not for lack of trying from the Gardner Minshew side of things. 45 completed passes out of the 58 that he's attempted so far this season. Last week, he only threw for 213 yards, but he did throw a touchdown, didn't throw a pick. They didn't exactly give him great blocking because he did get sacked four times in that game, but he still had a QBR of like 97. So, I mean, like he's certainly put them in a position where they had a chance to win that football game. And that's all I think they can really ask 
from a Gardner Minshew based on the situation that he's in. They didn't expect Gardner Minshew was going to be their starting quarterback this year. As long as he puts them in positions to win, I think Jacksonville will win some games this season with Minshew under center. Granted, this game is in Jacksonville. I just don't necessarily like their chances this week. I think Tennessee is going to be able to keep Minshew under wraps. The pass defense has already shown that they're capable of doing that this season. I like Tennessee here, especially given the fact that the Titans have won four straight head-to-head against Jacksonville. Not only straight up, but also against the spread. And they've won six of the last seven overall. So Jacksonville not finding a lot of success over the last, say, four years against Tennessee. On the line, Jags are a point and a half dog. Um, you got to take Tennessee here. If you like them to win, I mean, it's a point and a half. It's almost the, the smallest price to pay. So we're going to go Tennessee minus a point and a half and lay those points. Total in the game set at 40. I've only got this thing capped around a mid to high 30. So I'm feeling pretty good, even though that's a low total. I think we're going to stick under on this one. Let's go under 40 points in Tennessee, Jacksonville. Titans 23, Jags 14. Let's go to Dallas now for a matchup of Cowboys and Dolphins. And what else can you say about the Miami Dolphins? Now they traded out, and it happened just during the Monday Night Football game last night. Minka Fitzpatrick, he's gone to Pittsburgh. They bring back a 2020 first-round draft pick from the Steelers. It's an interesting trade from the Steelers' perspective, which we'll talk about a little bit more when we talk about the Pittsburgh-San Francisco game. I mean, the Dolphins are the tire fire of this league. We've played two games. They're already at 102 points against. That's not four. That's 102 points against. Cowboys are on the exact opposite end of that spectrum, man. They are 2-0. and They're leading that division. They've scored 33 points a game over their first two. They're giving up less than 20 on average. This is a good football team, and it's only going to get better this week. In the Cowboys, you have the number three total offense in football thus far on the season, going up against a Miami team that is not only the worst total defense, but is also the worst total offense. And that's certainly not going to get better on the defensive side by trading out Minka Fitzpatrick. Worth noting for the Cowboys, wide receiver Michael Gallup, uh, he underwent minor knee surgery at some point last week, looking like he's going to be out about two to four weeks. But honestly, unless all of Dallas's first team offense and defense get hurt. Like if everybody just rolls their ankle on the same, you know, raised piece of carpet and they have to play like their practice squad guys, there's no reason for Dallas to lose. If Dallas loses this game, wow. Obviously we're going to rock the Dallas Cowboys at home to beat Miami. On the line, Dallas favored by 21 and a half points. Oh, God, Vegas, I hate you. That's so ridiculous. Like, dear Lord. But, I mean, Miami doesn't care. So why should I? So I guess we'll go Dallas minus 21 and a half. I mean, it's... This this trend needs to stop. All right? Like, it's the NFL. They're still professional football players playing at the highest level. A 20-plus point spread, and it's not even the only one we have this week, is ridiculous. It's so stupid. But I think they'll cover it. 
We're still gonna we're gonna go Dallas minus the twenty one and a half because they're playing a team that doesn't care. Total in the game set at forty seven and a half points. I've got this thing set at like a mid fifty, so I feel really good about the over in this one. Let's go over forty seven and a half points in Miami Dallas. We are going to go Dallas thirty eight, Miami sixteen. Yes, I am gonna give them some points this week. Let's go to Green Bay now. Packers playing host to the Denver Broncos. Me versus Billy B in terms of uh, favorite football teams. Packers off to a 2-0 start, but it hasn't exactly looked pretty. I mean, the very definition, if you look up winning ugly in the dictionary, you'd just have to have the Packers logo there because that's the way it's been for the first two weeks. So far, the Packers have played ugly outside of the first three possessions in their football game last week. That was against Minnesota. At home, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. I'm like, cool. They turned a corner. The rust is off. Fantastic. But then at that point, the Vikings defense settled in and they had no points for the rest of the game. They're outscored 16-0 for the rest of the game after those first three possessions. And I think there are still a lot of wrinkles that need to be ironed out here between Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur's offensive concept. Broncos dropping their second game in a row last week, but let's be fair, the Broncos should have won that football game. Like, I'll take it because I took Chicago to win, but Denver should have won that football game. So, unfortunate, but the Broncos do sit at 0-2. It's been two really close games. I mean, the first game was within a possession, and then last week was only two points. So, Denver, I think, is doing some things well. I don't think that defense is playing badly at all. They need more from the offensive side. Does that sound familiar? It's kind of like the team they're playing this week. Packers currently sporting the fourth worst total offense in the NFL through the first two weeks, and they're going up against a Denver secondary that ranks as the number four pass defense so far in the NFL. That could spell bad things other than the fact that it is Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau Field just finds ways to win. And that's kind of what I feel is going to happen here. I don't necessarily think that Green Bay is a vastly better football team than Denver. And in saying that, I also don't think the Broncos are what I would classify as a good football team. I think if I was going to put that label on one of these two teams, I would say Green Bay top to bottom is a good football team. Just don't necessarily know that I could say the same about Denver. Given that it's in Green Bay, let's go with the Packers in this one. Let's take Green Bay at home to hang a third straight loss on Denver. On the line, the Packers are favored by eight points at home, which the second I saw that line, I'm like, well, that should be an easy, uh, an easy decision for me. We're going to take the points with the Broncos. But the more I kind of looked at it and the more I kind of thought about it, I don't know how many points Denver's going to put up. Denver's a team that is still kind of an enigma to me. What exactly is this team going to be? And I mean, I do have to give it up to the Packers. Their defense has played quite well through the first two weeks. They're only giving up 215 yards through the air. They are giving up a buck 22 on the ground. So that is going to be where Denver, I think, is going to get the majority of their yardage. I think it's going to be on the ground between Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. I just think the Packers' offensive upside is enough to cover that. And this is kind of a 50-50 for me, but I think I'm going to go with the Packers. I think I'm going to hammer them, and I think I'll lay those points. Just because, like, a 10-point game 
seems like it could be a realistic final score. So let's go Green Bay minus the eight points, lay the points on the home favorite. Total in the game set at 43. I think that number's too high. I've only got it capped around a mid 30. So I think I'm going to stick under on that one. Let's go under 43 points in Denver, Green Bay. We're going to go Packers 23, Denver 14. Let's go to Indianapolis now. Colts and Falcons, both of these teams coming off of victories last week. The Colts, the beneficiary of a two-point victory in Tennessee over the Titans. The Falcons beating Philadelphia 24-20. And based off the first two weeks, it shouldn't be any surprise exactly how this game is going to go. The Colts have the worst pass offense in football right now with Jacoby Brissett. Granted, they're 1-1. One and one. So they've, they've kind of done their job there. But it is the worst pass offense. Atlanta's inside the top 10. They're at number nine so far on the season. On the flip side of that, the Colts, the number two run offense in football, Marlon Mack has been flying. And Atlanta's is the fifth worst run offense. So you're going to see Atlanta throwing the ball quite a bit. And you're going to see Indianapolis running the ball quite a bit. So there's going to be no surprise whatsoever how this game is going to go. That should lean in Indianapolis's favor in terms of controlling the clock. However, the Falcons, not enough people talking about this. The Falcons, the number three total defense in the NFL through two weeks. The Falcons defense has been playing great football. Now, you can run on the Falcons. They're giving up a little bit over a buck ten on average so far this season, but only 167 through the air. And that wasn't against nobodies. That was against Minnesota and Philadelphia, teams that know how to move the football. Like, those are good football teams. And Atlanta's had really good defensive performances now on back-to-back weeks. Granted, they are still giving up 24 points a game, so they're not exactly translating that as well as they could like translating the yardage that they're giving up into keeping points off the board so they haven't bent all that much but when they've bent they've kind of broken definitely something to watch out for but still i think i'm gonna have to skew on the side of that defense i've been really really impressed by the falcons on the defensive side of the ball so far this year i think i'm gonna take the falcons here as a little bit of an upset but we're gonna take atlanta in indianapolis to hang a loss on the colts On the line, Colts are two and a half point favorites at home, as I feel they should be. I think these two teams are relatively evenly matched, but I like Atlanta to win. So let's take those points and go Falcons plus the two and a half. Total in the game set at 47 and a half points. I got this set at like a high 40, maybe even pushing 50 points. So we're going to lean over on this one. Let's go over 47 and a half points in Atlanta, Indianapolis. Let's go Falcons 27, Colts 23. Let's go to Kansas City now for what I personally feel is the game of the week. And this is a game on both sides that I think are really going to prove whether each one of these teams is for real in certain aspects. I would say more so for Baltimore. Chiefs playing host to the Ravens. Both of these teams sitting at 2-0 on the season. Both of these teams have offenses that have really, really moved the ball and put up points very well. Both of these teams have defenses that have done a pretty darn good job of keeping points off the board. This is an incredible matchup. Like I mentioned, Baltimore and Kansas City, they're two top three total offenses so far on the season, but the one that you would think would be in front actually isn't. Baltimore, the number one total offense so far in this NFL season. However, 
you got to consider who they've played. They played Arizona and they played Miami. So two arguably of the worst defenses in the league. So it shouldn't be a total shock that they're the number one total offense. Kansas City, obviously no slouches. They're at number three. Ravens are also the number two total defense in the NFL. And But again, they've done it against Miami and Arizona. A little underrated though, Kansas City might actually finally, after years of screaming for it, be kind of figuring out their defense a little bit. Another situation where you kind of have to consider the competition. They've played Jacksonville and Oakland, two teams that I would consider not having good offenses. So have they figured it out or is that just a reflection of the teams that they've played? And you can ask that question about both of these teams. Is 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 Baltimore really that good or is it only because they've played Miami and Arizona? Is Kansas City really that good or is it only because within this season they've played Oakland and I literally just said it, Jacksonville. I think what this boils down to for me is whichever one of these two teams would have been playing at home, probably going to be the one that I'm going to wind up taking. It winds up being Kansas City. I think they're going to get the benefit of the home team bump here. I'm going to go with the Chiefs because I do think top to bottom, the Chiefs are a better football team, certainly on the offensive side. But I've been so incredibly impressed by Baltimore. If Baltimore wins this game... Watch out because the Ravens are a bona fide Super Bowl threat if they can go into Kansas City and beat Mahomes and the Chiefs. But we got to see it happen first. So I'm going to take Kansas City at home to beat Baltimore. On the line, though, Chiefs are uh, almost a full touchdown favorite. Chiefs are minus six and a half in this game. That's way too many points. This is going to be one for the ages. This is going to be the best game of the season up to this point. Six and a half points is just too many for me with how good that Baltimore defense is and has been historically. So we're going to take those points and go Baltimore plus the six and a half because look, they could win this game outright. Total in the game set at 55 points. I got to set it a mid to high 50. Both of these teams putting up points like nobody's business. I don't think it's going to fly over a 55 point total, but I do think it does go over. Let's go over 55 points in Kansas City, Baltimore. Chiefs 30, Ravens 27. Let's go to Philadelphia now. Eagles going to play host to the Detroit Lions. Eagles, as we mentioned, coming up on the short end of the stick last week, a four-point loss in Atlanta to the Falcons. Detroit picking up their first win of the season, a surprising win as far as I'm concerned, beating the Chargers 13-10, picking up their first win of the year after that embarrassing tie in week one. Don't look now, but the Lions are kind of starting to commit to the run game a little bit more. Lions 105 yards on average on the ground so far in just their two games this season. Lions are sitting here with a top 10 total offense. That's an offense that's capable of doing some stuff. They're only averaging 20 points a game, but it steps in the right direction. Now, in saying that, they're going up against a team in Philadelphia that right now is the number three run defense in the NFL. So, the Eagles have definitely committed to stuffing the run and stopping that. And it's a good thing that they have because they're also the second worst pass defense. In fact, this is a matchup of two of the bottom 10 pass defenses so far in the NFL. Again, like I mentioned, Philly, the second worst pass defense. Detroit only clocking in at number 24. So both of these teams can be thrown on. Of injury note for the Eagles is uh, a lot of people. 
the most significant one is Alshon Jeffrey. He's got a strain in his calf. His status is in doubt for this game, but it seems unlikely that he'll play. And the way people are talking, they're talking about this like it's going to be a multi-week issue. So I don't expect him to play this week. And it's kind of cloudy whether he'd play next week. But that's certainly not it. I mean, Carson Wentz got banged up in that game. Corey Clements got banged up in that game. Philadelphia here is kind of the walking wounded. And it's not like I think Wentz isn't going to play or that Corey Clements isn't going to play or that anyone other than Alshon Jeffrey isn't going to play for the Eagles. And as long as you've got Zach Ertz, you certainly have something. But they're kind of walking into this game a little wounded. Detroit, to my knowledge, is not. I actually kind of like the upset here, and I don't think a lot of people are going to look at it the same way. The Lions are definitely playing that bend-but-don't-break defense. They're giving up over 400 yards of offense per game on the defensive side. You can throw on them, you can run on them, but they're only giving up 18.5 points. So they're in when they're in those critical situations, they're coming up with the plays that are turning touchdowns into field goals. And I do question Philadelphia's upside for putting up a ton of points in this football game so i'm gonna take detroit in the upset let's go with the lions here in philadelphia to take advantage of that alshon jeffrey injury and hang a loss on the eagles on the line the eagles are favored by a full touchdown here i think this would be a nice spot to hedge even if you don't like detroit to win the game outright i do like them to win the game outright but this is a definite hedge we're gonna go taking those points detroit plus seven total in the game set at 47 and a half points i have this thing capped at like a low 40 like it'll just crack 40 points 42 something like that so i'm comfortable staying under let's go under 47 and a half points in detroit philadelphia i think the defense wins the day let's take lions 23 eagles 19 go to Arizona now where the Cardinals will welcome in the Carolina Panthers. Panthers coming in off the long week and that bad loss against Tampa Bay. You know, I really do think the Cardinals would be fine if they could get a little defense and they're just really not getting that so far this season. They're the second worst total defense in the NFL. Carolina sporting the number three pass defense. So I think Kyler Murray is going to have a hard time moving the ball through the air. I'll be interested to watch David Johnson because he's kind of dealt with a little bit of an injury thing last week. He did come back into the game, but if he's limited in any kind of way and they put the ball in Kyler Murray's hands to win the football game, I have my concerns about whether he'd be able to do that, even though the game is in Arizona. I think I'm going to lean Carolina on this one again. They're a better football team than what they showed last week, and I think they kind of take out some of those aggressions from Cam Newton and from Christian McCaffrey and from Greg Olson and the playmakers they have on that offense. I think they take it out on Arizona this week. So let's take Carolina on the road in Arizona to hang a loss on the Cardinals. Against the spread, Arizona two and a half point dogs at home. So you only have to lay two and a half points here on Carolina. I like that. It's a small price to pay. So let's take Carolina minus the two and a half points. Total in the game set at 46 and a half, and this is the first of three totals that I think are absolute coin flips. I think these totals are perfect. Vegas did an excellent job on them, and I, I will praise them when it's necessary. I think they did a really good job on this total. I think it's stone perfect. I'm going to lean under on it simply because I do think 
Carolina on both sides of the ball is capable of being better. And I think they showcase that a little bit this week. Let's stay under 46 and a half points. We're going to go Carolina 24, Arizona 20. Speaking of that embarrassing loss against Tampa Bay, let's go to Tampa now where the Bucks get to come home on the long week and welcome in a very winnable, a very beatable opponent in the New York Giants. Giants have yet to win this season and it's the defense that's really been letting them down, giving up about 32 points per game and the offense just simply cannot keep pace. And also, just as I'm finishing recording, uh, a little bit of uh, breaking news, I guess you could say. Eli Manning not starting week three for the Giants means it's the Daniel Jones show in Tampa Bay. So let's see what the kids got for a full four quarters when the game actually matters. So that's a little bit of late breaking news while I'm recording. Eli Manning not starting week three. And kind of like when we talked about the Atlanta Falcons, I don't think enough people are talking about the Bucks on the defensive side of the ball, which is not something that we have seen in seasons past. The Bucks, I, I understand it's only two weeks in, but the Bucks are the number seven total defense in football. Like in, for the Bucks to be inside the top 10, I think is crazy. And they're going up against the Giants team that is the fifth worst total defense thus far and like I say, with the Giants, this is a beatable opponent. This is an offense that is not doing very much in terms of putting points on the board. And the defense is doing them no favors. The defense is not putting them in a position where they can win football games. They have to now travel to Tampa Bay. I really like the Bucks in this one. We're going to take Tampa Bay at home to beat the Giants. On the line, the Bucks are six and a half point favorites, which initially felt a little bit high to me, but you know what? It's still just under a touchdown, and I just don't trust that Giants defense. So let's lay those points and take the Bucks minus the six and a half points. Total in the game set at 48. Once again, very good job by Vegas. I think this is about a perfect total, but I'm going to skew on the under again because what are we going to get from the Giants offense? Right now, we're getting 15 points a game. Are they going to be better than 15 points this week? I think a little bit, but I still don't think it's enough to move this number over. So we're going to skew under on this, go under 48 points in Giants Bucks. We're going to go Tampa 27, New York 20. Let's go to Los Angeles now with the Chargers on the heels of that, what I would think would be a surprising 13-10 loss last week. They welcome in the Houston Texans. Texans got into the win column last week, that single point victory 13-12 at home against Jacksonville. I think you still got to believe that the Texans have the inside track to win this division, although Tennessee, I think, would have plenty to say about that. I still think the Texans are the best team in this division. They finally got on the right track, maybe got a little tiny bit of momentum on their side from beating a division opponent. Where I really think this game is going to be decided is on the ground. The Chargers right now have the number four total offense in football, which is good, but they've got the fifth worst run defense, and they're going up against the number five run offense so far in the NFL this season. Again, only through two games, but still. There's actually two top 10 run offenses. Houston's at number five. The Chargers are at number 10. So they've certainly been doing a good job. The Chargers have in the absence of Melvin Gordon, still committing to the run game, still moving Austin Eckler out there, moving him around like the Swiss Army knife that he is more than capable of being that type of player. 
But I don't see the Chargers run defense hanging with Houston on the ground here. I just don't think they've got quite enough in the tank, which gives Houston the edge to me, even though the game's in Los Angeles. I like the Texans here. I do think Houston picks up the win. On the line, the Chargers are three and a half point favorites. Originally, they were three point favorites when I started doing my research, but now that extra half point went up there. I think this is not a half bad spot to hedge if you wanted to. It's it's a pretty small hedge, so it's not great, but I think three and a half points is too many here. I think this winds up being a very close game that comes down to the, you know, the dying minutes in the fourth quarter. I'm just going to take Houston in that scenario. I like him to win. Let's take those points. Houston plus three and a half total in the game again set at 48 just like the previous one again I think the total is pretty darn perfect I'm gonna skew under because I do think Houston is gonna be able to control this game a lot on the ground you're gonna see a lot of the run game on both sides I think that keeps the score down just enough to hit the under so we're gonna stay under 48 points in Houston LA let's go Texans 24 Chargers 23 single point Let's go to San Francisco now with the surprising upstart San Francisco 49ers, who I guess I have to start taking seriously. Maybe. I'm kind of getting there. They're playing host of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and this is a battle of two significant injuries. Obviously, the one that stands out is Ben Roethlisberger. Injures his throwing elbow. He's going to have surgery. He's out for the season. It's worthwhile to ask the question whether Ben Roethlisberger has played his last snap of professional football. I mean, you're throwing it, you know, an injury and surgery required on your throwing elbow at Ben's age with all the wear and tear that Ben has gone through in his career. I don't think it's unfair to ask the question. And on San Francisco's side, they just lost Joe Staley. Broken fibula. He's out a minimum of eight weeks. He is Jimmy Garoppolo's starting left tackle. He is one of the best left tackles in football. That is not a small injury for a 49ers team that is trying to keep their quarterback uninjured. Like we mentioned before, Pittsburgh acquiring Minka Fitzpatrick from Miami in exchange for their 2020 first round pick. So why this is so interesting for me from Pittsburgh's side is clearly the Steelers don't think that losing Ben Roethlisberger means a bad season. They must still be thinking playoffs because if they're not, why would you trade your own first round pick? Because that'll be a top 20 pick if you don't make the playoffs. So clearly they still have the playoffs like a wild card berth on their mind. I'm really not unless that defense figures it out, which might be why you trade for a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick. So it's it's a tremendously interesting football trade to me because it's not a trade that I would have done after I just lost my starting quarterback for the season. Niners walk into this game with a number seven total offense in football right now, doing a great job moving the ball on the offensive side. Pittsburgh, the fifth worst total offense and fourth worst total defense. It has been a nightmare start to the season for the Steelers. So Niners are running the ball like crazy. Pittsburgh can't stop anybody on the ground. They're giving up a buck 25 a game. Pittsburgh just lost their starting quarterback for the season. Seems like a layup, right? Seems like a 49ers layup, right? I'm taking Pittsburgh. Um, I just, I man, I gotta, I gotta get over it. Like this, this is the watershed. If San Francisco starts the season three and zero, oh, my 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 moratorium on on picking the Niners to win is gone. 
because very clearly, like, once can be argued as a fluke, twice is kind of starting to be a trend, but who knows. But if they start the season 3-0, and I'm an idiot, and I'll eat crow for it. But this Pittsburgh Steelers team is also not as bad as starting a season 0-3. We saw pieces of it last week. Mason Rudolph, who is the new quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, can sling the football. He can move this ball. Juju Smith-Schuster, I don't think you downgrade him in terms of how you feel about him as a wide receiver or as a fantasy asset. I don't think you downgrade him. Vance McDonald, if anything, I think you upgrade him. James Conner, I don't think you downgrade him. I think this Pittsburgh offense is still going to be okay. And I do still think the Pittsburgh offense is going to be able to move the football. It's not a great situation. It's a massive upset pick. Maybe it's a little stupid on my part, but I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a veteran, time-tested team. I think they're going to be able to do this. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll eat the crow, but I kind of feel the Steelers here. On the line, the Niners are a full seven-point favorite here. I think this is a nice spot to hedge, to be perfectly honest, even if you don't think Pittsburgh's going to win the game. But I am taking Pittsburgh to win, so let's take the Steelers plus seven, take the points. Total in the game set at 43.5 points. I got this somewhere around a high 40, maybe even pushing 50 points. So I feel pretty good about sticking on the over on this one. Let's go over. 43 and a half points in San Francisco, Pittsburgh, Steelers 25, Niners 24. Call me crazy. Let's go to Cleveland now where the Browns on the short week get to go home. That's a good thing off of a victory. That's a good thing, but they got to welcome in the Los Angeles Rams. That might not be a good thing. Rams are 2-0 out of the gate, and there are three teams in the NFC West. All of a sudden, the NFC West is like a powerhouse division. There's three teams in that division that are 2-0. Rams, for the most part, picking up where they left off last season. They're averaging about 29 points a game. They're giving up less than 20. They're doing what it takes to win football games. Now, from last week, you may call the Rams the beneficiary of the Drew Brees injury. But, I mean, look, they still put up 27 points on the Saints. I think that was probably going to be enough to win the football game, regardless of whether Drew Brees got injured or not. Rams are also rocking the number five total defense in football through the first two weeks of the season. They're doing an excellent job keeping teams at bay. And the Cleveland Browns, I'm not exactly blown away by what I've seen from Cleveland so far this season. I expected Cleveland to put up more than 23 points last night, to be perfectly honest, against the Jets, missing two of their best defensive players, missing their starting quarterback, their starting running back with a banged up shoulder. I expected Cleveland was going to do more with their offensive opportunities than only putting up 23 points. Granted, they kind of got it going a little bit, you know, in the second half. But, I mean, 23 points against that Jets defense? Eh. Now, granted, Cleveland gets to go home, but they ain't playing the Jets' defense this week. They're playing a defense that's playing very well. It's worth keeping an eye on the Aaron Donald back thing to make sure that he's 100% ready to roll and they fire him up in week three. I don't see him missing the game. I'm hoping he doesn't miss the game anyway for the Rams' sake. But I I really like Los Angeles here. Cleveland uh, has yet to have me convinced. On the Rams here in a big bad way in this game. Let's take Los Angeles in Cleveland. Probably our third straight road team that we're taking. But we're going to take the Rams in Cleveland to beat the Browns. 
On the line, the Browns are two and a half point dogs at home, meaning I only have to lay two and a half points to take one of the better teams in football. Let's do that. Let's lay those two and a half points. It's a small price to pay. We're going to take the Rams minus two and a half at Cleveland. By the way, I also think it's going to be a big game, a big week for Todd Gurley. You can run the ball on that Browns defense. I think he's going to do just that. 100 yards should be a layup. Total in the game set at 51 points. I've only got this thing capped around a mid 40. So I'm pretty comfortable staying under on this one. We're going to stay under 51 points in Los Angeles, Cleveland. Let's go Rams 27, Browns 18. And the last game we're going to look at before we get into the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week three is the Washington Redskins at home playing host to the Chicago Bears. The Bears come into this game on back-to-back road games. They did win last week, although arguably didn't deserve to, but they did get the win last week that evens their record at 1-1. One and one. Back-to-back road games, now they're one of only two teams that have to face that this week. And I mean, you've heard me talk about that on the show. They're like, oh, back-to-back road games, it makes a difference, it makes a difference. In week two, and this is how weird and stupid week two was. So even if you did well in week two, eh, you know, do you really feel great about it? Here's how weird and stupid week two was. Teams on back-to-back road games after a win were 3-0 straight up and 3-0 against the spread. That did not happen last season, and it historically does not happen. Teams playing back-to-back road games after winning on the road the previous week are usually well below 500, both straight up and against the spread. So week two was a real anomaly here, which is why I was so blown away that really that I did so poorly. Now, the rule of four also did pay off in week two because that's the, the single most reliable thing in NFL sports betting is the rule of four. That's 2-0 and oh on the season, so yay. The Bears' defense has played a hell of a pair of games here. They've only given up 24 points. If the offense could come up with anything, and I mean anything, if it's a race to 20 points, I think the Bears are going to win it, but the offense has to get to 20 points. I think they'll have a much easier time doing that this week against a Washington Redskins team who has dropped their first two games on the season and has given up an average of 32 points a game in those two games. Couple that with the fact that both of these offenses are inside the bottom 10 in terms of total offense. Chicago's being the third worst, but Washington's only number 25. So I'm not exactly expecting a huge offensive outburst from either one of these teams. I'm going to skew on the team that's got the better defense, and that's the Chicago Bears. Even though the game's in Washington, let's take the Bears to win, even though they're on back-to-back roadies. Let's take Chicago in Washington to beat the Redskins. On the line, the Skins are four-point dogs at home. And I think I'm going to hedge here because I expect this to be an extremely low-scoring game. So for two teams to, you know, have a four-point difference between them based on how they've performed this season, I don't necessarily know that I would agree with anything higher than a field goal and maybe even less. So let's take Washington plus the four points. Total in the game set at 42. I mean, I've only got the game capped at like a mid-30, like 34, 35 points, something like that. So we're going to stick under on that one. It's going to stay under 42 points in Washington, Chicago, until the Bears' offense proves me differently. We're going to go Chicago 18, Washington 17. Yet another cardiac week for the Bears. 
All right, folks, platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week three in the NFL. Start at the bottom, as always, with the bronze pick, where I'm one and one straight up, but still searching for my first against the spread or over under win on the bronze pick. My bronze pick sees the Seattle Seahawks at home playing host to the New Orleans Saints. We talked about New Orleans a little bit. New Orleans is the other team that's on back-to-back -back roadies this week. Now, they did lose last week, so it's it's a little bit less. I mostly pay attention to teams playing back-to-back -back games on the road who won in the previous week, but they're still on back-to-back -back roadies and, of course, are still suffering from the loss of Drew Brees. Now, worth pointing out here, Brees has the thumb injury. It's being rumored and strongly rumored as a ligament tear, which means he would probably miss about six weeks if he opts to have the surgery immediately. Worth pointing out, Breeze is seeking a second opinion on his thumb, so that may delay the process a little bit. It could mean he misses an extra game, depending how long that second opinion process might take. I think if I was a Saints fan, I would say, get the damn surgery. Like, get it done. So you're back as quickly as possible because we're a team that expects to make the playoffs. We're a team that expects to be a Super Bowl contender, and it's going to be real difficult to do that with Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill. I feel really strongly about Seattle in this football game, and it comes down to the run game. Seattle's run defense, number four so far in the NFL. We know how well Seattle is capable of running the football with their two-headed monster at running back. And the Saints are only the number 27 run defense right now. That has them, what, sixth worst in the NFL? So it's going to be real tough, I think, for the Saints on the defensive side to put up with what Seattle's capable of doing on the ground. Now, Cameron Jordan is going to have himself a game because that Seahawks offensive line is still not very good. But I think the run game is going to find enough lanes in the Saints run defense that they're going to be able to put up the points, control the football, and win the game. So that's what we're going to go with. We're going to take the Seattle Seahawks at home straight up for the bronze pick to hang a loss on the Saints. Against the spread, Seattle a full five-point favorite here. And I'm going to lay those points because it's under a touchdown. I've got to see what this whole Saints offense is going to look like with Teddy Bridgewater under center. Are we going to see some Wildcat? How much Taysom Hill are we going to see? It's 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 too many questions. i got to see that from the beginning to the end of a football game. So I'm going to lay the points on the team that I know, and that's Seattle. Total in the game set at 44.5 points. I think this is pretty well another perfect total, so well done, Vegas. A little bit of a coin flip here, but I'm going to skew on the under. These are two defenses that can play some football and keep some points off the board. I do genuinely believe that, even about the Saints. So we're going to skew under on this one. We're going to go under 44.5 points. We're going to go Seattle 27, New Orleans 17. Seattle straight up, we're hammering Seattle minus five against the spread in a game that stays under 44 and a half points. That is the bronze pick. My silver pick where I'm 2-0 straight up and 2-0 against the spread and only 1-1 on the total sees the New England Patriots at home taking on the New York Jets. Jets come into this game on the short week. Obviously no Sam Darnold and now no Trevor Simeon. They lose their second starting quarterback of the season already. We're only two weeks in. Sam Darnold cannot come back from his mononucleosis fast enough. I mean, look, Patriots are the Patriots. They're going to score their points. They're going to do incredibly well. 
and you know that. The Jets are the Jets, and we kind of saw a little bit more last night, completely inept at moving the football, and then even when they do, Jets go peak Jets and fumble the football away. I mean, this is a layup for the Patriots here, is it not? I mean, is there will there be much of anyone that's on the Jets in this game? Patriots, number five total offense in football. Jets, second worst total offense in football. Patriots, number one total defense in football. I think they're giving up an average of like a point and a half a game. And I realize the opposition obviously, again, has quite a bit to do with that. But still, like this Patriots defense through two weeks has been as advertised. Worth noting, Patriots have won six straight head-to-head matchups. They've won nine of the last ten. Uh, you can't be, even if, even a massive Jets fan, I think, can't be on the Jets in this game. We're going to take New England in New England to hang a big loss on the Jets. However, against the spread, you know how I mentioned there was more than one spread of more than 20 points? Here's the other one. It's 22 and a half. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Jets plus 22 and a half. It's too many points. It's the NFL. These two teams, the last six times they've played, have all stayed under. And the total is only set at 46. This game is going under. I've only got a cat at a mid 30, maybe pushing a high 30. Six straight unders between these two. They're not covering 22 and a half points. It's the damn NFL. I don't want to see these lines anymore. Let's go Patriots 27, Jets 10, right? That's 37 points. That keeps them under, and that's your plus 22 and a half. Patriots straight up, Jets plus 22 and a half against the spread in a game that stays under 46 points. That is your silver pick. My gold pick where I am 2-0 straight up, I am winless against the spread, but I've split even money so far on the totals, sees the Minnesota Vikings at home playing host to the Oakland Raiders. Vikings losing last week in Green Bay after that very impressive opening game victory against Atlanta in a game that Minnesota was able to dictate the game to Atlanta. They weren't really able to do that against Green Bay because they got down so much so early. I don't expect that to happen against Oakland. Raiders come crashing back down to earth in an 18-point loss against division rival Kansas City, which in and of itself is kind of, uh, I mean, look, it was less than three possessions. It's, you know, it was less than three full possessions that they lost by. So, I mean, that's a, a bit of an accomplishment against the Kansas City team, but it doesn't get a whole hell of a lot easier because now they have to leave home for the first time to Oakland. Their first two games were in Oakland. So now they got to go on the road. They got to go into Minnesota, difficult building to win in against a good football team that can definitely move the ball on the ground. I think Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns, I believe, doesn't he? Doesn't he have like five or something like that? Like he's, hasn't he been like the vast majority of that offense? Sorry, he's only got three rushing touchdowns, but he does still lead the league in rushing touchdowns and leads the league in rushing overall. This is going to be the Dalvin Cook show and against an Oakland defense that against the run, eh, they've done pretty well against the run so far. I mean, they've only given up 63 yards a game on the ground and uh, through the air, uh, 341. So, um, Kirk Cousins, if you're ever going to do it, it's going to have to be this week. 
So you're talking about the number three run offense in football versus the number five run defense and the third worst pass offense versus the worst pass defense. So something's got to give in this football game. I just think it's going to skew on the side of the better total football team, that being the Minnesota Vikings. So let's take Minnesota at home to beat Oakland. On the line, Minnesota is an eight and a half point favorite over Oakland and I just think that's too many points I looked at that immediately and I was like boy if it was like somewhere under a touchdown or even hovering sort of around a touchdown I'd be kind of cool with that but Minnesota's got to win this game by nine points to cover this I just don't necessarily think they win by that much I think Oakland is capable of keeping this game relatively close so we're gonna take those points and go Oakland plus eight and a half Oh, God, I can't believe I'm skewing on the side of that defense. Total in the game set at 42.5 points. I got this capped at a mid-40. I feel pretty good about taking the over. So let's go over 42.5 in Minnesota-Oakland. We're going to go Minnesota 27, Oakland 20. Minnesota straight up, but we're hedging our bets and going Oakland plus 8.5 against the spread in a game that goes over 42.5 points. That is your gold pick. And your platinum pick, the last game of the week, sees the Buffalo Bills at home playing host to the Cincinnati Bengals. Bills off to a hot start. They doubled up the New York Giants last week, 28-14. to Meanwhile, when you look at Cincinnati, the defense has kind of cratered. Now, look, I think they did a pretty decent job week one in Seattle against the Seahawks. Like, that was a very close football game. I think that might be the best that we see out of the Bengals, uh, at least on the defensive side this season, because San Francisco completely ate them up. The 49ers put up 41 points on the Bengals in week two. Bengals have the third worst run defense in football, which is not good against a Buffalo Bills team that is moving the ball very well on the ground. Currently sit as the number nine run offense in the NFL. Buffalo also has the number five pass defense. So through the air is really going to be interesting when Cincinnati has the football because Andy Dalton is slinging the ball in the absence of AJ Green. Cincinnati, the number two pass offense in the NFL through the first two weeks this season. Buffalo, the number five pass defense. So a really, really, really good secondary against a quarterback that is playing out of his mind right now in terms of moving the football. So that'll really, I think, be where the game is decided. But which of those two things do I trust more? Do I trust the idea of the Bills being a top five secondary more? Or do I trust the idea of Andy Dalton being a number two total passing quarterback? I think I got to trust the Bills in that equation a little bit more. I talked about him in the preseason, how the Bills were like, should have a sneaky good defense this year, could be top five overall. So I trust that more. And I don't think Cincinnati is going to be able to stop Buffalo at all on the ground. I think they control the game that way. I think they control the clock that way. I think Buffalo wins the game. So we're going to take the Buffalo Bills at home to beat Cincinnati. On the line, Buffalo favored by under a touchdown. It's minus six. I think that's probably about the difference between these two teams. So I'm going to take the Bills minus six under a touchdown. I feel fairly good about that. Total in the game set at 43.5 points. I got this capped right around there somewhere, mid 40, 45, maybe 46. So I, it, it's, a, it's a slight lean, but it's a lean to the over. We're going to go over 43.5 points. In Cincinnati, Buffalo, let's go Bills 27, Bengals 18. Buffalo wins straight up. We're laying the points and hammering the Bills minus six against the spread in a game that goes over 43 and a half points. That is your platinum pick. 
Are you there, God? It's me, Bridgewater's Finest. Please let me do better than last week. My, my viewership depends on it, I think. There you go, folks. Your week three episode is now in the books, but it is time for the patented comment of the week. The comment of the week from the week two episode of the NFL show goes to the blind Canadian cat, fellow NFL YouTube prognosticator, and uh, he chimes in with uh, actually what is a really, really good comment. That's why he gets comment of the week. That's how it works. I've never thought, I never thought, sorry, I'd see the day that the Ravens would drop 59 points, especially in the Lamar Jackson era. You and me both. I admit I had my doubts about the kid, but gotta say, looking forward, I'm a bit more confident in the season and the future. Good show, Justin. I agree with most of the picks. I have Denver taking the win mostly because they're a good home team in September, and while Chicago is the better team, I don't feel safe about the offense, and they've proven to be an up-and-down team, losing to Brock Osweiler last year as an example. But hey, I've been wrong before. I agree with the vast majority of that. Chicago's offense is not all that trustworthy right now, and... Um, you know, I, I think Denver deserved to win that football game. And I, I think they should have won the game. But, uh, you know, sometimes the NFL happens. But, Blind Canadian Cat, yours is the comment of the week from the Week 2 episode. There you go, folks. Now the Week 3 episode is in the books. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees. I hope you enjoyed the show. Leave me your feedback in the comments section below. Enjoy the games in Week 3. We'll see you again for Week 4 and see you tomorrow for the next CFL show.